Welcome to Role-Playing History, the podcast where we explore the history of role-playing games. I'm Wayne Davis, and I'll be your guide for today's tour. Episode 15, Deadlands. Now, before we get into today's subject, I need to do a couple of updates about last week's episode on livestream games. First, when I was discussing the Chain of Acheron, Matt Colville's live game, I had mentioned that, according to several reports, it might not be coming back in the same form as it was in when it went on hiatus in 2019. Well, Matt himself provided confirmation of that last week. This is what happens when you click on the notifications bell on YouTube, then don't watch the video immediately after it posts. Matt did an update video early in the week last week discussing the status of several projects he has going, and during that, he informed subscribers of his channel that the chain will not be coming back in a live stream format. He did concede he's not 100% sure what format the chain will take, but watching his body language and his other nonverbal cues, I believe he's leaning towards doing adventure recaps and then splicing in footage from the games to provide a better context about what he's talking about. I also got some feedback on Twitter about the shows I discussed on the air last week, or more to the point, the shows I didn't discuss on the air last week. So let's take a little peek behind the GM screen. When I was putting this together, I decided to discuss shows that I myself have watched or listened to at least four or five times, because I didn't want to just watch one episode and try to give a half-assed opinion on the show based on that one viewing. So... That's why the shows that made last week's show made the show. However, based on the response I've gotten to that show, we'll cover some more live stream games in the near future. I've already got a list of shows that I need to watch, and of course I'll be taking suggestions from our listeners for more. So, cheap plug here, if you know a show you'd like me to watch and talk about, hit me up and tell me what it is. Okay, so now that we've gotten the updates on the old business out of the way, Let's get into today's topic, and let's be official. Let me back up and do this right. Episode 15, Deadlands. So during the course of this podcast, we've done a semi-deep dive into Dungeons & Dragons, which makes sense since it's the game that essentially created the role-playing game genre. However, as we all know, it's not the only role-playing game out there. No. <laughs> really. I'm serious about that. With that in mind, we will be doing some deep dives into other games as we move along, and I wanted to start the process with a game that is one of my personal favorites, Deadlands. Now, I know I covered some of the history of the game back when we discussed Deadlands during the timeline of games, but for those who are late to the party, here's the creation history. Deadlands was created by Shane Lacey Hensley as he was setting up his new publishing company, Pinnacle Entertainment Group, in the mid-1990s. According to reports, he was inspired by the Brom painting of a vampire in a Confederate uniform on the cover of the then-unreleased White Wolf game, Necropolis Atlanta. This stoked his creative fire, specifically centering on a Cowboys and Zombies game. He wrote up a first draft and showed it to two of his friends, who also happened to be game designers, Greg Gordon and Matt Forbeck. On the strength of that first draft, both men decided to buy into Pinnacle and knew Deadlands would be a hit. They took their shot, releasing the game in 1996. And by the way, they weren't wrong. Deadlands has picked up numerous Origins Awards over the years, including the award for Best Role-Playing Supplement of 1996. 
That original version of Deadlands got revised rules in 1999, a D20 version in 2001, GURPS rules in 2001, Savage Worlds rules in 2006, a 20th anniversary edition in 2017, and a revision to update to the new edition of Savage Worlds earlier this year. So it can be said that Deadlands has staying power. Now, if you go strictly off the review given to Deadlands by Rick Swan in the December 1996 issue of Dragon Magazine, that's issue 236 for you collectors out there, you might think it was a bit of a dud. Rick did give it four out of six in its rating, but ripped it for having no setting. Quote, what we're given is little more than an overview. There are no interesting personalities to speak of. There is next to nothing about geography, politics, or culture. End quote. He then went on to discuss the lack of cities or other areas to explore in the player's handbook or the marshal's handbook. By the way, the marshal is the game master in this game. Anyway, to that extent, he was right. The player's handbook of Deadlands doesn't have a lot of explorable stuff in it. It gives some background about the weirdness going on, but it spends the bulk of its space giving players the details they'll need to create their characters for the Weird West. We'll get more into that in a minute or so. The Marshal's Handbook does have some information about various areas of the country, and it does have a basic map. However, getting into specifics isn't that book's job either. However, as a tool for the Marshal, it provides more than enough information to get a game up and running. So what about some setting stuff? Is the Marshal responsible for doing a ton of Old West research to come up with a game? Nope. Pinnacle released a ton of books covering just about every topic a player or marshal would have questions about. There were setting books covering every inch of what, in reality, is the United States, though it's split up in the game. Those books provide maps, details on what's going on in all of the major cities, some big bad evil guys for the posse. By the way, that's what they call a party in Deadlands. Anyway, the posse can take that stuff on, and then plot threads for the marshal to sprinkle into the game. There were also setting books released for Canada and Mexico, just in case the Marshal wanted to utilize the entire North American continent in their game. These books were just as detailed as the other setting books, though I have to admit I've never used them in my games. <laughs> that was way more stuff than I needed. They also released books that provided more rules for running the various character types. These books provided more backgrounds to utilize, spells for Spellslinger, and specifics on certain organizations characters can be a part of and a whole lot more. And from an adventure standpoint, Pinnacle released nine adventure books. For the record, these were actual books as opposed to the modules most gamers would be familiar with. The books provide maps, even more details on the areas the adventure takes place in, and details on as many of the NPCs the posse might come into contact with as a marshal would need to get the game up and running. So while the basic books might have been lacking in the minds of some, it didn't take long for Deadlands to have everything the player and the Marshal would need to get a game running full speed. Now, before I get into character types, I suppose I should give you an idea of the background of the game, since I keep calling it Weird and the Weird West. The history of the country, the United States in this case, is exactly the same as it is in reality until July 3rd, 1863. On that day, a group of Native Americans from a number of tribes, led by a Sioux shaman called Raven, performed a ritual to try to drive out the European settlers that were overrunning the country. The ritual created a conduit to a spiritual realm, and that realm is not a pleasant place. It's populated by a group of entities called the Reckoners, 
And if the name sounds evil, <laughs> that's because they are. The Reckoners are all about feeding on fear, and they want to make the world as evil a place as possible so they can have more fear to feed on. However, the Reckoners can't come to Earth directly until the fear level on the planet is high enough. So what they do is cause fear indirectly by creating monsters, zombies, and other walking dead, you know, those fear-inducing types of creatures. So if you're a history buff, specifically the United States Civil War, you might recognize that date, July 3rd, 1863, as the date of the Battle of Gettysburg. During that battle, both sides were shocked and horrified to see the dead bodies of their friends and enemies rise from the battlefield and continue to attack. Needless to say, neither side handled that well. And considering they understood they couldn't just keep a dead body down, both sides called a ceasefire. So, as the first edition of Deadlands begins, the year is 1876. The Civil War is, for all intents and purposes, over, but not officially. Both sides are in a ceasefire, and there hasn't been significant battle in years. But that's not the only change. The state of Utah isn't a state in this game. Instead, Brigham Young took the opportunity during the chaos to declare Utah, and a bit of the territory around it, as the independent state of Deseret, with himself in charge. Also during the chaos of the ritual, a great earthquake knocked most of California into the ocean. You know, that could happen. Anyway, what this left behind was a much smaller state than existed originally, along with a jagged set of islands called the Maze. Needless to say, there's a lot of area to be explored in the game, should you decide you don't want to do a standard western. There's one other note about the setting that I need to mention, and it's come with its own set of controversies over the years. While there is a Union and a Confederacy, and therefore a USA and a CSA, there's no slavery in this game. There never has been slavery in this game. Now, I know that some of the history buffs among you will argue that if there's no slavery, why did the USA and CSA split in the game? Since it can be argued that slavery was the primary reason for the split in reality. Hensley notes in the Player's Handbook that while slavery did exist in reality, he intended the game to be a fun diversion for the players, and having real-life issues such as slavery and the bigotry that leads to it would take away from the fun of the game. So, he chose to leave it out. Now, over the years, that decision has been both applauded and criticized for reasons I'm sure you've already figured out. I'm not going to come down on one side of this or the other, but instead we will let you decide how you feel about it. Just know that, for the purposes of the first edition of Deadlands, that's the case. Okay, so with background out of the way, we need to talk about the characters. And we'll do that after we take a quick break. So, we need to talk about the types of characters in Deadlands. Players can play just about anything they want to, thanks to the way the system is designed. But the basic templates of the game are lined out for players to play gunfighters, lawmen, hucksters, shaman, blessed, and mad scientists. Gunfighters are pretty much like they sound. Think every Western movie and show you've ever seen. In fact, when I've run the game, the majority of my group tend to be a gunfighter of some type. A lot of that is because of the cool factor of the character type. And some of it, I know, is because the gunfighter is the absolute easiest character type to play in the game. Lawmen are a playable character type in Deadlands. Whether it's a town marshal, a county sheriff, a United States marshal, or a Texas ranger, there are plenty of law types for your posse to play, should you allow it, and they choose it. I guess the question would be, why? Again, to me, that's the beauty of this system. 
Sure, your posse can be a group of gunslinging cowboys roaming the range in search of adventure, money, and fame, or infamy as the case may be, but some groups want something different. Maybe your group wants to be a posse of lawmen, or, or law women, let's be fair here, traveling the weird west in search of desperados that need to be hauled in. Maybe, just maybe, you've got a mix of local, county, and federal law together in the same posse. That, to me, has party conflict written all over it, and that conflict can make for some outstanding roleplay opportunities. Hucksters are Deadlands' version of the magic user. Of course, while a fantasy magic user is the stereotypical Ian McClellan is Gandalf type, in Deadlands, the huckster could resemble someone more like a snake oil salesman. Or maybe the huckster is the one running a game of three-card Monty. You won't know who they are until they unleash a hex on you. Now, I'm going to get into more specifics of the hex and some of the other big differences between Deadlands and other games in just a couple of minutes. So I'm just going to leave this here for now. Shaman and Blessed are the cleric druid types for this game. Now, this is going to sound really stupid coming out of my mouth, but I'd be remiss if I didn't say this. Shaman are Native Americans. Okay? Good. Now, again, I'm sure there's someone out there wondering about having Native Americans in the posse. I mean, this period of American history isn't the best for Native Americans in the United States. My take on it is this. Anybody should feel free to play whatever type of character they want to play. Hell, I could see a scenario where you have an entire posse of Native Americans traveling the West to do something. On the other hand, your shaman could be one Native American traveling along with a group of white men or whatever mix of people you want to use. It should be noted that the shaman has access to abilities and spells that the blessed doesn't, and vice versa. Now, the blessed, or blessed, are very much like your standard priest, especially in the Wild West. They can dress like a priest would, or they can have a bit of the cowboy look to them. Again, trying to figure out how to get a blessed into your posse can be a challenge, but you can always go with the old trope of priest questioning his faith traveling the West for adventure. Yeah, it's cheesy, but sometimes you need a bit of cheesy to get the creative ball rolling. Believe me, I go through a wheel's worth of cheese every week doing the writing for this podcast. Next up is the mad scientist. This is almost exactly like it sounds. The tinkerer, creator, the person who comes up with some next level shit for the posse and the world at large to use. And eventually, they all actually go mad. Why? Well, see, the Reckoners played another little trick on the world. When they began creating all those walking dead, they also created a little substance known as Ghost Rock. There's a whole write-up on the stuff in the Player's Handbook and the Marshal's Handbook, but the shorthand is this. Ghost Rock burns more efficiently and for longer than coal, so the rush was on to create new gadgets that utilized it. However, what the players don't know is that Ghost Rock contains either the souls of the dead or a little something from the Reckoners to further the fear. The rules never really nail down which one it is. Either way, extended exposure to that stuff causes the mad scientists to literally lose their mind. Now, I see a mad scientist character as a sort of Doc Brown from Back to the Future. I mean, I'm a Christopher Lloyd fan anyway, so that works. Of course, if you're more of a Christopher Walken fan... Okay, that, actually, that sucked. But if you're more of a Christopher Walken fan, that, that's going to work too. Now, you've got your idea and you want to create your character. How do you go about doing that? Deadlands does things a little bit differently than most other games. 
This is the point where I need to mention that there's a YouTube exclusive video this week that shows you some of the cool stuff you'll use for Deadlands. So if you don't already subscribe, you need to head over to the YouTube channel and check it out. Okay, so without seeing what's different, what's different? First off, you'll need the standard 54 card poker deck. Leave the jokers in. That's why it's 54 cards. You'll draw cards to determine the dice that determine your traits. Traits in this game are your attributes, and they're similar to what you see in pretty much every other role-playing game out there. Once you've determined those, if you're a gunfighter or a lawman or lawwoman, you're pretty much done. Get your equipment, figure out how you want to play your character, and yeah, that, that's pretty much it. Good to go. Good on you. Move along. Now, if you're a huckster, you're definitely going to need your own deck of cards. Why? Because in addition to rolling dice for success on hexes, you'll need to have certain poker hands to be able to do certain things with your hex. Each hex in the game requires a certain hand to make it work, so you'll need to have some luck to go along with your skill if you want to play one of these. I'd also note that it would be helpful to understand the hierarchy of poker hands a bit if you're going to play this game. They do have a chart in the books, and there are some online charts you can print out for reminders if need be. But understanding it on your own is always helpful and time-saving. Shaman and Blessed need to have an understanding of their spells slash miracles as well so that they understand what they can do and what they need to accomplish in order to do it. Now, mad scientists are a different breed. They get some cool stuff to start, and it wouldn't hurt to read over their abilities as well, as they may, read that as will, want to tinker around and build some cool shit over the course of the game. Once all that is done, you're ready to play. Deadlands has a lot of other things that it does differently than other games, but one I want to mention here as opposed to the YouTube video is initiative. Normally you roll a die, add a number to it, and that determines your initiative order. <laughs> Not in Deadlands. In Deadlands, you roll a die based on your stats, then draw a number of cards from the community deck based on your results. Initiative is determined by the highest card to lowest card, with spades, hearts, diamonds, and clubs being used to break ties. In other words, the Ace of Spades will always go first, and the Two of Clubs will always go last. Once initiative has been determined, things proceed like they would in any other role-playing game. Granted, the mechanics of this are a bit different, but the encounters will have a similar feel. The game also includes things like fate chips and bounties, but I'm going to cover those in the YouTube video because they're more visual, so check that out once we're done here for a whole lot more. Now, having discussed the basics of Deadlands, there's another thought. What if, instead of being in the Weird West, you wanted to play hard-boiled characters out of the old film noir style? Well, Deadlands can do that for you as well. In 2013, after a successful Kickstarter campaign, Deadlands Noir was published. Set primarily in New Orleans, though adaptable to any big city, Deadlands Noir takes the action from the original Deadlands games and gives it that hard-boiled feel I was mentioning above. In fact, just reading the books for the game, I was seeing the adventure in black and white with Humphrey Bogart and Jimmy Cagney as the leads. If that's more your speed, check it out. There was also a collectible card game published for Deadlands. I've never played it, but if you're into CCGs, I've been told it's well worth a play. By the way, if you can't find any of the books I've discussed during this podcast at any of your usual sources, I know they're available from Pinnacle's website, which is peginc.com. And with that, 
we've come to the end of today's tour. Next week, we're taking a look at two different game companies, White Wolf and Pinnacle Entertainment. Now, before we wrap completely, I wanted to send a shout out to the folks on the Forta Loot Gaming Twitch channel. They've been plugging the podcast pretty heavily the past couple of weeks, and I know we've picked up some new listeners thanks to them. So if you're a fan of the game stream, give them a look-see. They're also looking for members for their Adventurers Guild and have a Discord for that, so you can check it out as well. I've gotten some compliments on the improved quality of the sound of the podcast. I have to give the credit for that to Gabe Gentleman, who built me a new desktop that I've been using for the past few weeks. In fact, this is the third podcast I've recorded on the new computer, and that, along with a new studio mic, I think have made the difference. But thank you, Gabe, for all of your help. Of course, without my wife's financial support, we wouldn't have been able to afford the new computer, so a big thank you to my long-suffering significant other, who I know puts up with way more of my bullshit than she should have to. Love you, honey. And I really have to thank all of you. I mean, I do all this for you, and you're showing your loyalty and your love by continuing to listen in and by recommending us to your friends, so thank you. Oh, and I did want to note that the podcasts, starting with today's, will be released at 12.01 a.m. on Fridays. That's Central Time, by the way. The reason for this is that we're seeing an increase in our European audience, and I'd like them to have access to the new episodes earlier than 4 or 5 o'clock in the evening. The episodes are auto-dropped, so I'm not doing anything differently than I have been, other than setting a timer on the website to release the show earlier. I hope for our European listeners that makes a difference for you. As always, you can reach us on Facebook, the Role Playing History Podcast page, Twitter, at Role Playing History Podcast, that's all one word, or hashtag Role Playing History Podcast. YouTube, we've got the channel, Role Playing History Podcast. Click on the subscribe button and hit the bell to get notified when we drop new stuff. Like the companion video for today's podcast, hint, hint. You can shoot us an email, roleplayinghistorypodcast at gmail.com. So, next week, we look at White Wolf and Pinnacle Entertainment Group. Until then, I'm Wayne Davis, and you're role-playing history.